Good morning, church. Our scripture reading today comes from Revelation chapter 21, verses 5 through 7. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely. To him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Is this, whoa, okay, that is on, (laughs) that is on. Well, good morning, everybody, and I hope you've had a wonderful week and a wonderful beginning to the new year. I only have a few thoughts to share with you this morning. But before I start doing that, this is part of that. When Sister Joy read our call to worship this morning, I'm just going to reread for a reason because of what my sermon is about. 43, 18, and 19. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. So you're in a new year. What's happened last year, don't think about, don't worry about. You can't change it. Let it go. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you know not of it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. We're told not to remember in God's word. 
And then Denali just read us our scripture from Revelation 20. And I'm not going to read all of it again, just a small bit. Then he said, then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And sometimes we forget that God makes all things new. And we need to remember that. And we need to remember, as the last verse says, He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we want to say thank you so much for today, for your Sabbath day. We just ask and pray that you be with the words that are shared and spoken this day. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I would look at you guys and say, Happy New Year. That's been passed. It only happened about four days ago. And I hope, has everyone gotten off to a good start? Did, everyone, did anyone make any New Year's resolutions? Well, if you didn't, perhaps this sermon will encourage you to make and carry out at least one New Year's resolution. So what are the ten most common New Year's resolutions? Let, I'm going to give you a list. I looked this up, and I had fun with these, and I didn't just look up the common ones, but I'm going to start here. Number one on the list, exercise more. Sound like a good New Year's resolution, but this is the number one thing on the list. People just want to get out and work more. Think about that. Number two, people want to lose weight. That's a New Year's resolution that a lot of people make. They want to lose weight. Number three, a lot of folks want to be to get better organized. I guess so many folks in this world just aren't organized, and it's nice to be organized. It helps life go better. Number four, learn a new skill or hobby. On this list, I think that's one of the best ones on the list here. Learn a new skill or hobby. It's, it's good to learn something new. Number five, live life to the fullest. I'm not even, I know what that means for me, but a lot of folks in today's world, all they can think about is what's on their bucket list. And they think living what's on their bucket list is living life to the fullest, and it's really not. And there, it might be, but it's really not. Number six, save money, spend less. And that's a, I think that's a great one, but we live in a world where the cost of things keep going up, so how do you spend less? We end up saving less, too. Number seven, quit smoking makes a lot of sense. Number eight, spend more time with family and friends. This is always a good thing, but then I have to ask myself this question when I read this list. Who does God say his mother and his brothers and his sisters are? It's those who do the will of his Father in heaven. Maybe we should think about that when it comes to our family and friends. Nine, travel more. I don't know about you, I love to travel. Anybody here not like to travel? No hands, okay. And number 10, this one was shocked me on this list. This is a common one, specifically as a teacher, to read this one and to realize that so many people that I know of, at least with kids, can't stand this one. Read more. In a day and age when everyone just believes in sending a text instead of writing a letter, it's surprising. Now, while all of these may seem to be good resolutions, remember a resolution only goes as far as its maker carries it. So how can you carry out a resolution 
should you decide to make one. Interestingly, there are 10 steps suggested to resolution makers that can help them be resolution keepers. I'm going to read you these top 10. These are the 10 that I found. Number one, when you're making a resolution, what do you need to do? Mentally prepare for the challenge. In other words, think positively, not negatively, about why and how you will keep your resolution. There's that word think, and a lot of folks don't like to think about something, which might be a big reason why a lot of folks aren't able to keep a resolution. Number two, pick a resolution with a goal. In other words, if it's something with a goal, this will help motivate you to actually keep it. Number three, limit resolutions to a manageable amount. Sometimes less actually does equal more. Four, be specific about setting and pursuing any resolutions. In other words, set both a goal and a time to accomplish it by. And if those of you are in college or high school, you're working on a project, the teacher gives you a goal. This is the time that this needs to be done. It's a whole lot easier to get it done in a timely manner. Five, break big resolutions into smaller pieces to accomplish one by one, thus achieving the entire goal. When we try to do the whole thing at once, sometimes we look at that big goal and it overwhelms us and we fail, our heart gets weak and we say we can't do it. Number six, write down the resolutions. Read them regularly and record progress toward actually keeping them. And some folks say, write it down. But believe it or not, when you write things down, it actually helps you keep them. Number seven, share your resolutions with others so they can encourage you and you can, and you can want to succeed because others are watching your progress. Share your resolutions with others. This is, that's also a tricky one, too. You've got to be careful. Some folks, when you share it with them, they're good with that for a while, and then once in a while, they get upset with you if you ask about it. It's like, why did you share it with me in the first place? So, number eight, automate where possible. Technology. This is a technological age. Use automatic tech-based reminders to support you in meeting the goals in your resolutions. Most people walk around with a phone. You have the ability to program your phone with reminders. I know lots of folks who just don't do it. It would be helpful if they did for this resolution aspect. Number nine, review, 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 and I can say it again, review. A lot of folks set resolutions and they don't want to think about it, so they never review it. They don't think about it, but daily, weekly, or monthly review of those resolutions and make sure you are making actual progress. And number 10, if you fall off track, jump back on fast. Note any setbacks toward keeping your resolution. Make a plan to overcome the setbacks and keep on keeping on. That's what we got to do. These 10 steps to help keep you on these 10 steps to help you keep your resolution should help especially if your resolutions are focused on and lead and led by God's will for your life and are pursued with his power. So what actually happens to new year's resolutions? Anybody know? I think we all do. People make them and they don't keep them. Okay? But the question is <laughs> 
A recent internet-based study reveals that before the month of January ends, most people give up their resolutions. In fact, they give them up, according to my watch, in seven days, which would be January 12th. That's when most New Year resolutions come to an end. I found that intriguing. I was like, wow, I never would have thought that, but that's the case. The meaning of the word resolution, it was shared with us in Sabbath school this morning. If you missed that, that was incredible in Sabbath school this morning. The meaning of the word resolution is a firm decision to do or not to do something. To do or not to do something. But if our resolutions only last until January 12th or less than a month, then they can't be based on a firm decision. And this is the case. So beyond the 10 most common resolutions people make at this time of year, what are some unusual resolutions that are made? And I gave a few here. I, I, I found all kinds of unique stuff, not just unique resolutions, some that I just were just downright ridiculous and shouldn't even be. I can't believe people come up with them. But here's one. Learn a party trick. I'm not sure why that's unusual, but it is. Break a record. Try a new food each week, which I actually thought was unique. I would love to do that. This last one I have here, get your photo taken in five interesting places this year. And in a day and age when everyone's walking around with a camera in their hand, basically, that's not that difficult to do. It's simple. While some of those unusual resolutions may sound interesting, they may lack spiritual focus and may not lead us toward what should be our most important goal, eternity in heaven with Jesus. So with that thought in mind, I went back to those 10 common New Year's resolutions, and I rewrote them with a spiritual focus. Let's just think, what the, let's hear what they have to, let's hear what this is. Number one was exercise more. Could become less about improving our personal appearance to glorify ourselves and become more focused on exercising both our bodies and faith more to strengthen us for God's service and his glory. Number two was lose weight. But this could also become less about self-focus improvement and become more about losing physical weight for the purpose of improving the temple of the body of God. The temple of the body of God's for God's glory and also lose Excess worldly baggage. What do I mean by excess worldly baggage? We've all got stuff in our homes that we should not have in our homes. If you're going to look at me and tell me that you don't, then I'm going to look at you and tell you that you're not being honest with yourself. And that's the truth. Excess worldly baggage that we could let go of. Three was get organized could again become less about making improvements based on making self-focused improvements and become more about getting organized or reworking our priorities to allow more time with God. More time with God. We live in a world where people say, I don't have time. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. Well, that's because we're so unorganized a lot of times. Number four was to learn a new skill or hobby. That could become more about learning a new way to witness or connect with others for the purpose of sharing Jesus. That's difficult for so many people to do. A lot of folks are not even sure how to do that. But it could happen. Five, live life to the fullest. That's what it was. It could become more about leading others to know Jesus so they can live life to the fullest. 
We think about living our lives to the fullest, but what about everyone else out there around us that we socialize with every day? Are they actually living their life to the fullest if they don't know Jesus? What is our part supposed to be in that process? Think that process through. The six was save money and spend less. Well, that could become save money and spend less on self and put what is saved toward God's work. A lot of us don't want to do that, but maybe we should. Number seven was quit smoking. Well, that might become about giving up any poor practice that pollutes our body temples and our love and service for God. Those things are the things that take us away from God, all those bad habits. Number eight was spend more time with family and friends, which I think is commendable. Could become more, could become sp- could become spend more time studying God's word and praising God with our family and friends. There's so many folks that they go and they spend time with family and friends, but what are you talking about? What are you doing? Are you sharing about God's love? Are you talking about it? Are you afraid to? There's something to think about. And why would we do that so we can help, so we could all be together when Christ comes? That's what's important. Number nine was travel more could become more about intentionally traveling or going where God asks you to go or witnessing more as you travel rather than just sightseeing. I I don't know about you guys, but when you travel, I know some folks travel to see family, but some folks travel just to see the country. But, But what are you doing for God while you're doing that? Are you being a witness for him in some small way? Or is he get put on the back burner because you don't, none of us want to share? Something to think about. And number 10 was read more. Could I actually become read more of God's will, ways, and works by spending more time in his word and other biblical sound publications that will draw our minds closer to God rather than just reading more things that may waste our time, degrade our minds, create impure thoughts, or just draw us away from God toward the things of this world. Now, those would be considered, for most people in this world, unusual and less common New Year's resolutions. Most people look at that and say, that's a, that's a waste of my time. I'm not going to do it. I want nothing to do with it. You want the mic? You want the pack? I'll stop for a minute. Can you still hear me? You can? No, just me speaking? Okay. So, as we consider New Year's resolutions this morning, and hopefully make this New Year one that draws us closer to Jesus, let's ask ourselves how firm our resolve to let Jesus guide our new year is. So, I'm actually going to have, we're going to listen to a song it's actually a Christmas song that I found that I had wanted my wife and them to sing for Christmas program that we had here, but I couldn't find the music for it. But I want you to hear it because the message of the song is so spot on, so right about what it has to say.
you can watch the words too. It'll be awesome. A family hiding from the storm Found no place at the keeper's door It was for this a child was born To save a world so cold and hollow A sleeping town they did not know That lying in a manger low A savior king who had no home has come to heal our sorrows Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart for God to write His story? Shepherds counting sheep at night Do not fear the glory light You are precious in His sight God has come to raise the lowly Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart for God to write His story? You can come as you are, but it may set you apart. When you make room in your heart and trade your dreams for His glory.
to me, the words of that song serve as a reminder, a motivator, a resolution solidifier, if you will, that I want Jesus to change me this year, but I must allow him to write his story, his character on my heart, as I hope we all will choose to do this year. Does resolving to allow Jesus to write his story in our hearts and lives require effort and action on our part? Yeah, it does. Will it change us? Yes, it will. When we make a resolution, we should ask ourselves if we want change, if we have a plan to follow to achieve change, if we have support as we work toward change, and also how we will celebrate the victory of accomplishing that change, because we should celebrate it with a victory. If you remember the 10 steps to help you keep a resolution that that I shared with you a few moments ago, you may remember that one of those steps involved being mentally positive about achieving a resolution. I think looking towards celebrating the victory of allowing Jesus to change us would fall in the category of being mentally positive and expecting to succeed in becoming more like Jesus as we allow him to write his story in our hearts. When I consider that type of resolution and having victory and becoming Christ-like, I am reminded of a man in the Bible, a man whose name means people's victory in Greek. So, you all know who this person is. But we're going to read where he comes into the story in Jesus' ministry. So if you'll turn with me to John chapter 3. We're going to read this little bit. Discover who he is and how he celebrated victory in his resolution to follow Jesus. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. When you read the Desire of Ages in the chapter entitled Dealing with Nicodemus, this is a man who heard Jesus speak, saw what he did, and it changed his heart. He was drawn to him, and most of the leadership and rulership of Israel was not but he was. So he came to Jesus. This man came to Jesus by night because he didn't want to do it openly, see, and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with you. See, Nicodemus can't even get the question out. He's telling this to Jesus, and Jesus gets right to the heart of the problem. He doesn't even let Nicodemus ask what he wants. Jesus poses this to him. Jesus answers and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, 
Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. I'm going to finish that in just a moment. But if I go back to Verse 7 of 21, that reflects those words. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God. He who overcomes from revelation from our scripture. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and the men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who practices evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen and they have been, that, that they have been done in God. And this is what Jesus and Nicodemus talked about. A man who is afraid to come to Jesus, looking for something different, looking for something new. And Jesus is saying, yo, forget the old. Listen to what I'm telling you. Nicodemus had heard Jesus, and he longed for change, so he went to learn from Jesus how to follow Jesus, how to start fresh despite his high position. Nicodemus saw the sinful condition of the, of the Jewish nation resolved to follow Jesus whom he believed to actually be the Messiah. He felt that as a strict Pharisee and as an Israelite by birth, that he held a place in God's kingdom that required no change on his part. This is what he thought. This is what most of them thought. And Jesus said unequivocally, "Uh uh-uh, no way. You have to make a change. But Jesus told him that that he needed to be spiritually renewed to enter the kingdom That spiritual renewal that he needed had to start with a conviction of his own sinful state. That's what it needed to be. Ellen White, in the chapter in Nicodemus from the Desire of Ages, says this. This was profound, to say the least. And the chapter, his whole chapter is profound, but this just really stands out. The Christian's life is not a modification or improvement of the old but a transformation of nature. The, we're not changing the whole. We're being transformed into something totally new. And that's what a New Year's resolution is supposed to be about, if you stop and think about it. There is death to self and sin and a new life altogether. This change can be brought only about by the effectual working of the Holy Spirit, something we can't do ourselves. It only comes through the working of the Holy Spirit. 
So the work of the Spirit upon the soul will reveal itself in every act of him who has felt its saving power. Does it say some acts? No, it says every act. In other words, everything that we do. When the Spirit of God takes possession of the heart, it transforms the life. Sinful thoughts are put away. Evil deeds are renounced. Love, humility, and peace take the place of anger, envy, and strife. Joy takes the place of sadness, and the countenance reflects the light of heaven. The Spirit of God through faith produces a new life in the soul. The thoughts and desires are brought into obedience to the will of Christ. The heart, the mind are created anew in the image of Him who works in us to subdue all things to Himself. Then the law of God is written in the mind and heart, and we can say with Christ, I delight to do Thy will, O my God. Psalms 40, verse 8. In the case of Nicodemus, we might see ourselves not willing to fully live for Christ. And that's the reality. Nicodemus came. Did he choose to follow Christ openly? No, he did not. Not initially. Not initially. Okay? Nicodemus is mentioned three times in Scripture, in three places, all in the book of John. The first one was this night visit. The second one is found in John chapter 7, verse 50 and 51, when the Sanhedrin wanted to get Jesus and do away with him. And Nicodemus stood up and said, I don't think so. He, says, he said it, and I'll, I have it quoted here. Stan, he stood up for Jesus by saying, Doth our law judge any man before we actually hear him and see what he does? No. And that kind of quelched that. And the last time we see him is in John 19, 39 to 42, when he helps, when he brings spices to help prepare Jesus' body for burial. That turning point in his life, when you read it.